The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. He's the author of a book called The Great American Dividend Machine, How an Outsider Became the Undisputed Champ of Wall Street. He is also the editor of a newsletter called The Dividend Machine. Welcome to the show, Bill. Hi, Jordan. How are you doing? Great to be with you. Just to start a little bit with your background in uh, both creating the book and the newsletter, give us a little bit of your investment background before we get into your, your methodologies here. Yeah, well, what happened to me is I was, you know, basically I was going to try to get into real estate after I graduated from college. And, you know, $8,000 was very difficult. Interest rates were high. And I got involved in stocks, and I bought my first stock, which was the equivalent of Altria, which is in Philip Morris and Kraft. It was the old Philip Morris. And I got my first dividend of $44, and my dad says, what are you going to do, buy a Happy Meal with that? But I realized that the power of compounding, I could, you know, what was nice about buying stocks is, you know, when you buy real estate, you have to pay taxes, you have to worry that the people are going to pay your rent, and you've got to put money into the uh property all the time, whereas with a stock, once you put your money in, you're done. So I just kept taking the money, reinvesting it, and then I kept saving money and putting money in, and my dividend machine slowly grew. You know, it'd be 200 then it'd be 500 a quarter, then it'd be 1000 a quarter. You know, it just got bigger, and that's, uh, that's all I focused on, you know, that I would be able to retire once I had a certain amount of dividend income. So do you think a lot of investors don't appreciate fully the uh, power of dividends and compounding dividends? Well, that's a great question, Jordan. Honestly, I've been doing it now for, you know, 21 years, and I still, I'm just learning the effect of it. You you think something, like when I drew my plans up, right now, I'm probably four times ahead of where I thought I was going to be, because the power of it is so powerful. What you don't count on is when the market drops, that's actually a huge gift, because your shares buy that many more shares of stock and it keeps running and going you know it's the old example of the woman who put 180 dollars i think into lily and for 70 years she told nothing to do her broker to do except to reinvest the dividends and uh when she died she had like 70 after 70 years she had uh over seven million dollars just from the original 180 dollars it wasn't even 180 dollars a year it was 180 dollars once so you know, buy and hold and dividend investing. It's it's become popular in the last five years because the, you know, the money market rates are down near zero. But, you know, truth be told, it's I've been doing it for 20 years. You know, Kramer and a lot of these other people have just found it three, four years ago. So there's lots of companies that pay dividends. Is what you're looking for is a rising dividend stream or what of all the many, many companies paying dividends, what specifically makes it to your cut uh, in your newsletter and in your book? Well, it's, 
again, that's a very good question. I, see, people think the biggest dividend is the best, okay? It's kind of like if you were looking for someone who was going to graduate from school. Let's say you got, you were in college and you got to take the 10, you got to have 25% of the top 10 people's earnings, okay? You wouldn't necessarily pick the smartest or the funniest or the person who is the best person. It's a combination. What I look for when I buy a stock is growth, safety, and income. And I have an 18-step program, which I talk about a little bit in my book. But basically, what I do is I find the stock that I believe has the best chance for the growth, safety, the growth, and the income. I will pick stocks that have very low dividends if I think they're going to raise them, or I will pick stocks even with no dividends if I feel there's going to be a dividend coming, or I just feel the stock is so undervalued that I want to grab it. So, but I, it's, it's the conservative portfolio is strictly based on safety, growth, and income. I will not pick a stock. And all my conservative picks since I've started it that have held more than, you know, 18 months have been higher, you know, 23 out of 23. So you're looking for total return. You are looking for growth as well as uh, dividends. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of these people like to pick REITs or they like to pick these high-dividend stocks. And, you know, to quote the great Charlie Munger, the problem you get with these is if they cut the dividend, you're like the rat in the trap that decides he doesn't like cheese anymore, okay? And this is something that I, when I look for stocks, I look for stocks I want to own. I don't pick the highest dividends. Right now, dividend stocks as a group are overvalued, and I'm just looking for the ones that give me the best total value. Now, if interest rates were to go up, I mean, at the moment they don't seem like going to, but if interest rates went up, Dividend stocks, particularly higher dividend stocks, tend to be more interest sensitive and therefore could fall further. So is that something you worry about is the direction of interest rates and which kind of level of dividend stocks you're looking for? Uh, Not at all. Because if you look back in 1982, and and if you read the new uh, issue of my dividend machine um, newsletter, which you can access at billspetrino.com and then click on the link for dividend machine, um, you can find out that, like in 1982, when the money market rates, I think, were 16%, if you would have bought, you know, Philip Morris back then, the dividend is, I, I don't have the exact amount, but I think you're up like 22,000% since then. I mean, it. people talk about that, but it, in, invariably it's, it's, it's been proven not to be true. In fact, if you bought stocks in 1982 when the dividend yield when the when the money market rate was the highest, you know, ten years later they were almost certainly higher. It's just each stock is its own market, Jordan. And, and if you, you know, what Bill's Petrino does is I do I buy the stocks when I feel there's imaginary fear and I get them at a price that I feel is comfortable. So right now there's a lot of fear of uh, potential default in Greece. Uh, the Chinese market is falling sharply. We have Puerto Rico is about to default on its debt. There's just a lot of fear around in the world of these days. How is that affecting the stock market and the stocks you're looking at? And should that be a, considered a buying opportunity or is it something to be worried about? Because people get very worried when all these geopolitical events are happening at once. Well, it, I, in one hand, I get happy. In one hand, I, you know, like, for instance, one of my largest holdings is Altria. Now, today, yesterday, the market was, had gotten pounded. And, uh, you know, on the other day, and 
Altria went up. You know, people people want when they're when people get scared, they stick to things like you know they say smokes and cokes, like you know your beverage stocks, your your cigarettes. I mean, if anything, people smoke more when when things are bad. You know, whereas you know, but a lot of stocks just get unnecessarily hit, like. Uh, last week, we had a day where AMD reported bad earnings, and Qualcomm and Micron, two of the stocks I really like, you know, went down. And it's like, what do they have to do with a company that's third rate that goes down? But people just, there's, you know, on, uh, my whole thing is that I look for, you know, you know, imagine fear. That's what I look for. And that's an opportunity. When that, something like that happens... Nothing's changed with the company fundamentally, but its stock price went down out of fear, irrational fear, and that to you is an opportunity to go in. It, well, you know, if you remember two years ago, I was on, the, or it was almost two and a half, it was the day of Sandy when we, I was on the show with you last time, and we talked about the banks, and I said that I thought, you know, at the time, Bank of America, I think, was like 6 or $7, and, you know, I loved the stock. I mean, it, it was it was priced the way I wanted it to, to be priced, and... You know, when you can buy a stock like you know that had tangible book of, I think it was around eleven or twelve dollars, and you know, but just people thought the world was going to end, and and you know, it, it doesn't work like that. Our our economy doesn't work with the four largest banks now. As it turns out, I only own one of those banks now, but at the time I owned them all, and I owned Goldman Sachs because you know there was just. Imagine there was crazy fear that these companies were going to go broke, and it just it wasn't going to happen. Very good. So who is it appropriate to be uh, in, um, subscribing to your newsletter? Is it somebody with like a huge amount of money or sophisticated investors? Who, who is the appropriate person? Well, I, honestly, that? and I, this I might this might sound a little self serving, but after you listen to my explanation, you'll realize I believe that every person on earth should buy my newsletter, and I, I will tell you why. You get it for less than I think three dollars, and you're in a position where. You will not be able to, um, like, you get a weekly report, you get a podcast every week, and you get a monthly report, okay? And you get access to our entire library from the last six and a half years, okay, which is an enormous value. And you could see what I picked when, you know, when I give a stock, I explain why I, I picked the stock. And, you know... It, it, I spend 30 to 35 hours a week doing the work. I mean, you're basically hiring me for six cents a week. I mean, if someone knocked on your door and said, Jordan, I want you to do eight hours worth of work. I want to do eight hours worth, eight hours worth of work, and they wanted 50 cents, and they were going to give you two cents back. You know, of course you're going to do that. And, you know, that's for something menial, let alone somebody that's going to. In fact, you know, I, Apple was one of my largest plays. And, and Carl Icahn, when he followed me into Apple, used the words no-brainer, which I had used earlier. And I'm not saying I obviously didn't do that, but a friend of mine told me, he said, Bill, there's, you know, for the amount of your newsletter, I would be shocked. I mean, I get letters from hedge funds that have emailed that have told me, look, I, and there's even on my reviews on Amazon for my book, a guy said, look, I manage money, and I use Bill Petrino's newsletter. Very good. Very good indeed. Okay, so uh, we're going to go to a break now, and um, we're going to get come back just so people can find out more about you. Your website is dividendmachine.com and also billspetrino.com, spelled S-P-E-T-R-I-N-O.com. Is that correct? That's correct. And what are some of the other things they can find at billspetrino.com? Well, I 
have a lot of articles for, you know, there's a free part of it. And then if somebody wants to subscribe to BillsPetrino.com, they can email me at TicketBill at AOL.com or Bill at BillsPetrino.com and say that they're interested. They, you can, if you mention the Jordan Goodman show, you'll get a discount. Very good. Okay, we're going to go to a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. His book is called The Great American Dividend Machine, How an Outsider Became the Undisputed Champ of Wall Street, and his newsletter is The Dividend Machine. We'll be back after this. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What do business and sports have in common? Both are based on competition, and the goal of each is the same, to win. If you're in business, you need an edge over your competitors. You need to innovate and improve. You need to make adjustments to stay ahead of your competition. Tune in to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Get the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. The Business Locker Room airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. He is the author of a book called uh, The Great American Dividend Machine, and his newsletter is called The Dividend Machine at DividendMachine.com. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Thank you, Jordan. So at the beginning of your uh, book, you say uh, everything you needed to know you learned from watching Rocky. (laughs) So explain to me how Rocky Balboa is the fundamental uh, uh, foundation of your investing behavior. Well, it's funny because, you know, Rocky the movie was based on the Chuck Wepner uh, Muhammad Ali fight in 1974. As it just so happened... I was at that fight, and a couple of people, if you go on com, you can see me sitting there in the fifth row. Someone said, that doesn't look like you. I said, well, I was 12 years old. Um, but you can see me sitting there. Um, I went to the fight, and I was with a friend of mine whose father was a you know, professional gambler, and he offered us $1,000 if Chuck Wepner would beat Muhammad Ali. You know, we were young kids then, so we thought, oh, wow, we didn't, because we wanted to bet on the, you know, we wanted to to have action, and we got that deal. So in the ninth round, what happened is Chuck Wepner was a you know, former street fighter, stepped on Muhammad Ali's foot and rabbit punched him in the back of the head, and Ali went down to the ground. Well, we thought, oh, my God, I'm going to win $1,000. Well, not only did he, we, you know, Wepner, in, in the movie Rocky, Rocky goes all 15 rounds and goes the distance with the 
champ and almost beats him. In the real world, Chuck Wepner got beat up so badly he didn't finish the fight. And he's a tough guy, but he, you know, he spent like a, I think a week or two in the hospital. Okay, and it wasn't, you know. That was, you know, Rocky's a great movie, but it's fake. I'm the real-life Rocky. I started with $8,000 and turned it into, you know, well over $7 million. And I had no contacts. I only made $100,000 one time before I was a millionaire. And I just kept getting knocked down, but I stayed with the program, and I believed in myself and kept going after it. So you say what's important is to recognize value where other people don't. So how is it... I mean, there's a market out there with all these analysts, people saying all the time, how is it that you can recognize value when all these smart analysts uh, are not recognizing it? Well, it's a great, that's a great question. What I do is I combine, see, I, I, I've been gambling since I was five years old. In gambling, you want to have an edge, okay? Like, for instance, I was going to bet a game when I was 12 years old. The same professional gambler hired me to call around. We didn't have the Weather Channel back in 1974. So what he did was he had me call around to the cities. And ironically, it was going to, there was a game between Princeton and Columbia. And what you would do to find the weather so you didn't have to pay the long-distance bills, which you would call, you take the area code and put in 555-1212. Today, that call costs money probably because of people like me, but back then it did not. So I would call. So I was going to bet on the Princeton-Columbia game, and I called. I said, how's the weather? And the person said, don't go. They're going to cancel the game. It's been raining all night. It's pouring. Well, they don't cancel football games. So I said, well, I'm going to try this again. I called again. And the person said, look, it's, this game is probably going to get canceled. It's been pouring here, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they have a bet called the over and under where you bet the total points, and the total points were like 36 points. And... I realized with a wet field, there was no artificial turf. The game was in Columbia. And I bet the game, figuring there was going to be no points, I bet $300, which for me was a lot of money back in 1974. And, you know, the score of the game was 9-6. to six. And I, what happened is I had an edge. I had some information that other people didn't have. It wasn't illegal information. But, you know, today when I buy a stock, you know, I look at, you know, did David Tepper buy it? Did, did Carl Icahn buy it? Did... Warren Buffett buy it. And, you know, that gives me, you know, I can, I can get an edge. Plus, I look at the accounting part of it, because I'm an accountant, but I look at the street part of it, too, as well. So you have a chapter which you call Money is Freedom. So let's get into that. What difference does, can it make in your life to have a good portfolio that's growing with all these dividends? Well, what's beautiful about my life is, is that it doesn't matter what the stock market does. My dividends are three or four times a quarter what I made at my first job for a year. Okay, it's it's the freedom of, it doesn't matter what my portfolio is. It does, if the stock market goes down, like for instance, one of my stocks, Qualcomm, raises dividend 14%. That's a 14% raise for me. Okay, now are they going to raise it by 14% every year? I don't know. But I liked my 14% raise. And, you know, when you own, you know, like I said, once you own a stock, you have no other expenses. You, you, you know, you just sit there and wait for the money to come in. And it's, it's a really nice setup if you're patient and you want to take the time to do it. But like I tell people, you know, in 20 years, you're going to be 20 years older whether you do this or don't do it. Yeah. Okay, so you have a, a chapter called Understand the, the Concepts Before Investing. So we're just going to go through those briefly. The sure. first one is to ignore the stock market chatter. Now, it's very easy to be reading the newspaper and see CNBC and 
commentators all the time, you get excited and depressed and so on. You're saying not to look at any of that? How can you deal with all the stock market chatter all the time? Well, see, what happens to people is when I buy a stock, I look at its balance sheet and look at its earnings. Then I look at the, you know, I look at the management. I look at the debt service. You know, there's a group of things that I look at, okay? But in the end, people make a lot of noise, okay? You get people that put on, that come on these TV shows. They pay to go on there. They get a publicist that puts them on the air, okay? And I mean, it's, and, and the publicist doesn't even check out the person's record. That's the terrible part of it, okay? And they put these people on. And I mean, you know, opinions are like, you know, they don't. They don't have any value. They're like earlobes. Everybody has them, you know. It's and most of them got wax in them, you know. It's just. It's. It's not. We're in a position where you buy stocks. I don't care what someone else thinks. In fact, I like when people don't like a stock because it doesn't matter to me. I like the stock. I see the growth, and I'm going to buy the stock. And I, you know, my track record has proven that I know more than the market does. Like, you know, the great Warren Buffett says, the market is here to serve you. Actually, Ben Graham said it first, and Warren Buffett copied it. Not to guide you, meaning if someone's doing something, you know, ridiculous, selling dollar bills for 50 cents, then I'm going to be buying. But I, I, because my stock dropped, does not mean I'm going to sell it. That has not that has nothing to do with whether I'm going to sell or not. In fact, I'll probably buy more. As long as you believe in the value of the stock, yes. Well, see, what I do is most people jump off a diving board, and then they'll like in, in investing. Person will invest, and then they'll tell a person after they put their money in, "Oh no, no, you got to get out of that after the stock drops thirty percent." Well, that's equivalent of telling somebody who jumps off a diving board when they're in midair, "Ah, there's no water in the pool." It's a wrong time to tell them. Okay, I do my research. Every stock I buy, I do 50 to 100 hours of research on the stock. Then when I put it through a team, a playoff system that I have, I play like five stocks against each other. And then what I do is I take a group of people, and they tell me why I shouldn't own the stock, and I tell them why I should. If they can give, a, if they give me a reason that I can't answer, like when I, I like J.C. Penny one month because Soros and, and Ackman had it. Well, then I asked a lady, and she said, do you know anybody that shops there? She said, I used to shop there for 25 years. I don't shop there. So I kept talking to people that, that used to shop there. So we don't shop there anymore. And I realized that the housewife knew more than Bill Ackman and George Soros, who are great investors, because they just didn't do their research. I do. Yeah. Now, you say it's important to buy a stock at the right price. You quote Warren Buffett as saying, price is what you pay, value is what you get. So, so how do you figure out what the right price is when you want to buy one of these stocks that you like? Well, what you're trying to do is you look at the earnings, okay, you look at the company's balance sheets. You're, you know, like the great Wayne Gretzky says, you try to skate to where the puck is going to be, not to where the puck is. And you're looking at the earnings. Not only are you looking at where the earnings are now, but like a stock that's a cyclical stock, the earnings aren't as important as in a, like a, a consumer goods company. It's very, you know, a stock like an Altria, the, the, the demand for cigarettes doesn't really waver because of the economy. Whereas if you were selling a car or you were selling, you know, a home builder or something, interest rates, there's always, you know, you, you have to make some, inferences before you start, but, you know, 
either way, I, you know, like Warren Buffett says, I want to be able to buy a company that's so good that, you know, a, an idiot may be running it because there might be an idiot running it. Mm-hmm. And then you also say, timing-wise, that you want to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Uh, that's easy to say, but emotionally, it's much easier to buy when things are high and flying and sell when things are low and, and falling. So how do you overcome that emotional block? Yeah, well, that is the, you know, the hardest part of this is you have to be greedy when other people are fearful. You know, and, and like it says, you, investing is counterintuitive. I've talked to some of the smartest people on earth, and they can't do investing because they're, they don't understand that it's counterintuitive. The times when you feel like you're going to throw up, that's the time to buy a stock. Whereas the time that you, you know, the stocks run and run, like I had told people to buy Apple. I, I don't know if I said it the last time we were on the air, but, you know, the stock had gone down, and then people waited, waited for it to go up. It went up, doubled, and now all of a sudden everybody wants to buy it. Yeah. You know, now, you also say... Just, you, you, I'm not saying Apple's a buyer. At some price, something's a buy. Another price, it's not a buy. Like I, one of the stocks I picked was Gilead Sciences. Okay, the stock went up from, I picked it at 16. People kept telling me, sell it at 20, sell it at 30, sell it at 40. It's like up to 115. Well, I raised the buy price down to 85 at one point, you know, and you know, like right now that's where my buy price is. It just it didn't get there. So, I, you know, you don't buy it. You have to wait for your price. But, you know, the people that bought it made, you know, five or 600%. Indeed. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. He is the editor of the Dividend Machine newsletter, which you can find out about at DividendMachine.com. His website is also BillSpatrino.com, and he's also the author of a book called The Great American Dividend Machine, How an Outsider Became the Undisputed Champ of Wall Street. We'll be back after this. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you know how to tell a great story? In business, the stories you tell play a big role in your success. Whether you're trying to get more clients or influence people as a leader, storytelling will help you do it. Story Powered with Leanne Pico is here to help you activate your storytelling superpower to build a better business and achieve your goals and dreams. Story Powered can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, leaders are working to transform themselves and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn, for insights on emerging trends and business innovations to help you stay ahead of the game. You'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention live every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. He's the author of a book called The Great American Dividend Machine. You can find out more about him and his newsletter, which is called The Dividend Machine, at DividendMachine.com and also BillSpatrino.com. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Thank you, Jordan. So you have, you have a whole strategy in the book, which is you, you call layering down uh, stocks. So explain to me what layering down uh, as, is as an investment strategy. Layering down basically is, and I, you know, I give credit where credit's due, Kramer first got me started into that. I mean, I didn't know that. Um, you, what happens is you start, you put your money into a stock, like let's say stock is $15. Maybe you want to put in 30000 Maybe you put in 7500 It comes down to 9 Maybe you grab some more. goes down to 8 If it goes up, you're not upset because the stock went up. But if the stock goes down, you can layer in and help your basis out, you know. So you're buying it as it's going down because you really believe it is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, what happens to stocks that drop is they're going to drop for a long time. And I'm going to give this to one of your, give this stock to your readers. You know, there's a stock called Michael Kors. You know, Michael Kors at one time was over $100, okay? It dropped. I like the stock at 70 It dropped into the, like, low 60s. I bought more. It dropped into the low 40s, mid-40s. I bought more. Stock's in the 40s, low 40s now, okay? Stock has no debt. It's got almost $5 a share. But what's happening to Michael Kors is Michael Kors is suffering because of the weak dollar, uh, the strong dollar. What happened is, is I have a good friend of mine when I was on my book tour in Atlanta, and she's English, and she told me her friends used to come in, meet her in, you know, New York or West Palm Beach, and they would go shopping at Michael Kors and stuff. Well, they don't come in because the euro is much weaker compared to the dollar. Plus, Michael Kors opened up a whole bunch of stores all over the world. Well, the, when the revenues get transferred over, they get hit really hard with, you know, they're a luxury item, and they get hit hard with the, with the strong dollar. So I feel that the company, there's nothing wrong with the company, and you're getting a great deal. A lot of people overlook the amount of cash the company has, but Michael Kors has no debt. And, you know, Michael Kors, the designer, he'd gone bankrupt in his life. And, you know, if you go, one of my readers told me, she said she sent me pictures from the Grammys with all the women that had Michael Kors dresses. And I took surveys on eight or ten women all over the uh, country, and they said they're all buying the Michael Kors stuff, that nothing has changed. So, yeah. Oh, let's, let's get into some of the stocks that you've liked. Now, you, have, you separate them into three categories which is conservative, aggressive, and international. So let's get a, a taste of each of them. So in the conservative portfolio, uh, Altria is your biggest holding. So what do you like about Altria? I mean, here's a company that basically is killing its customers all the time, and they have to keep getting new ones. So what's so great well, about uh, Altria? Well, what I like about it is the company is consistent, okay? It's, it's, it's the present time. It's not a buy for my, for my, in my portfolio, but I put it in there. And when I recommended it, the stock was sixteen dollars, was paying a dollar twenty-eight dividend, and I loved it. And I mean, it's been a buy. I kept moving the buy price up. And a matter of fact, last year you could have bought it in the. I think I had the buy price at thirty-five at the time, and the stock went into the thirty-threes. And I mean, now it's like around fifty. Um, I'm not giving. 
it's consistent. You know, it's you know what the company is going to do. They have about fifty percent of the smoking market. They own twenty percent, eight percent of Miller Beer, and they sell wine and chew and smoke with tobacco. And it's it's just a great business, but you you, you can't buy it at the wrong price. You know, a dollar, a hundred dollar bill is is attractive at fifty dollars, but not at one hundred and twenty five. So they have a very con- consistent uh, dividend raising strategy over a long period of time, right? Yes, they 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 raised their dividend. I think every there was like one or two years they didn't raise it because of the um, the, the tobacco settlement. But it, it's a great company. And the same thing on the international front. You like Philip Morris International's the same deal, or is there some different thing about the international part of it? No, it's the international. It's Philip Morris. Now that is a buy. It had the trouble with the stock. The stock has done poorly lately because of the. See, that, that's a total. If you want to hedge, people say, "Oh, I, I should hedge with uh, uh, you know, gold." No, a stock like Philip Morris, when the dollar is weak, Philip Morris does great because they're denominated in dollars. When the dollar is strong, as they are now, Philip Morris doesn't do as good because they get a hundred percent of their money outside the United States. So it's it's a it's hurt by the strong dollar. It looks like the dollar is going to stay strong. So that would be a negative for Philip Morris right now. You're saying. Well, if you thought, yeah, if you thought that, I think that it's going to change. But that's you know one of the inferences I've made that I think the dollar is going to get weaker going forward. But it doesn't matter. You're getting paid over five percent dividend to wait. It's you know where if you buy gold or something, you're getting paid nothing to wait. And that compounding, that five percent is big. And you also like some drug companies, uh, Abbott Labs and AbbVie particularly. Uh, what do you like about drug companies? Well, they like buy products for once. See, once you, I like drug companies. I like computer companies. I, I like companies where you invent something, and then once you have it, you know what does it cost to produce a, a, a drug? Where the money is is in the R and D. But once you get it, or if you get a computer chip, or uh, you know, you, you invent a product where you can sell something. Once you have the intellectual capital, the product is easy. You know, you, it doesn't cost a lot to do it. Whereas if you buy a company like, you know, a supermarket, they have or a retailer or a restaurant, their margins are not very good. So you like the margins and the patent protection uh, from from drug and what- yeah, you know, you you want to be able to have a business where you have high barriers to entry. You know, if you want to get into the cigarette business, you can, but they don't advertise. So, like, if you're in uh, New York City and I'm in uh, Florida and we're going to race to to Philadelphia, you know, if I have a jet and you have a bike, maybe I can beat you there. But if we both have to walk, I have no chance to beat you there. And, you know, when the, 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 the rule where you can't advertise for your uh, drugs and or you can't advertise for your cigarettes publicly helps the number one company, which is the company that we own. And then you like certain financials uh, like Visa and Wells Fargo. Uh, what do you like about financials? Um, I bought the financials at good. See, I, right now I don't own them. Like I want, I don't pick them, and that's why you got to buy the newsletter. You can't just sit here and listen to what I tell you on here and think you're going to know because it doesn't work like that. You have to get them at the right price. We got Visa at a price when they tried to put out the Durban Amendment years ago, and they said that they were going to limit the credit card companies' fees. Well, common sense tells you that. I mean, the way our country works, if they, if Visa and Mastercard stopped telling people they didn't like they weren't going to do business in the United States, the economy would just would 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 go down to a halt. Okay, because people count on using their credit cards. 
and I realized that this was a lot of posturing, and I got Visa at a very good price. I've made, uh, I, I, I don't know, three, three, four hundred percent. And as far as Wells Fargo goes, we bought this the last time the Greek crisis was going on in 2011. Wells Fargo went down in the low 20s, and I grabbed it. And it's now it's in the 50s. So you just you have to buy when there's when people there was imaginary fear, and that's when I jumped. You know, you just can't buy stocks blindly. People say, "Oh, I'll just copy Petrino stocks." A lot of Petrino stocks are overvalued right now. If you were buying them, that doesn't mean I'm going to sell them. It just means I wouldn't buy them at today's prices. Yes, and then you like various technology cl- uh, stocks. You mentioned Apple, uh, Qualcomm, IBM. Uh, wh- what do you like about those kind of companies? Well, I mean, you're just you. They're again. They have the they have the intellectual capital. Apple spends twenty billion dollars a year on research and development. I mean, most companies' market caps aren't twenty billion dollars. Half their good, you know, the great products of Apple. I mean, the beautiful thing is, and when someone tells me about buy and hold, I say, well, the, a person had ten percent of Apple in 1975 and sold it for eight hundred dollars. That ten percent right now of Apple is worth seventy six billion. So, you know. If you most of the products that Apple has ten years ago, they didn't even have they didn't even have them, and that's the beautiful part of a stock like Apple. And then you like some things in the oil patch, uh, National Oil Well Varco, which makes the equipment for. Now that's been a very bad area because oil prices are down. You still like a company like that? Well, I like them at the prices. See, I've I've I've, I've gone. To, most of my oil companies are lower than when I bought them, but. See, I buy them. I don't believe that $45 oil, $50 oil is sustainable. Okay, if it costs more to make a gallon of, of water than a gallon of, or a gallon of milk than a gallon of gas, gasoline. That's not reasonable. That's not going to stay for a long period of time because oil is the one commodity that you, could, you can't do without. There's no, you can't have a solar car, okay? You, you, you can have an electric car in certain areas, but Try to put that electric car in um, New York City in the middle of a snowstorm. Okay, it's not going to happen. So I don't. I feel that oil is. You know, I buy things on bad news, and I don't buy all oil companies. There's certain companies that I feel comfortable about, and certain companies I don't. You know, but uh, I don't want to tell all the stocks. I don't want to. Uh, don't give every all my stocks away, Jordan, or the people. No, no. I'm just getting the categories uh, that you like. You like. I had to tease you. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so then, now then you have a whole series of international stocks. In general, what's the advantage of doing international stocks over domestic stocks? Well, I have to tell you the truth. I didn't want to do international stocks. My boss made me do it. Okay, so what I did was, I and I've done okay with them, but he wanted me to buy stocks five years ago when the markets were grossly overvalued in the in the in the things. And I I got a couple good ones, like I bought Siemens when it was down, and I bought Teva. I bought a couple nice ones. I, recently, I bought some Chinese stocks, and now the market has gone down. But, you know, I had one Chinese stock that doubled, and, you know, it's, it's pulled back a little bit. But, see, I own stocks for the long term. I'll buy them for a three- to five-year period. I Long term, I like China. I just think that the market has gotten a little away from itself. But that, that'll change. So you think the current downturn in China is temporary as a buying opportunity? Yeah, I, I see, this is what I believe. I believe that... China has like a high GDP. China and the United States, to me, are the two countries that, you know, they really rock the world as far as, you know, Japan has a pretty good economy, but it, it like, 
you know, with GDP, but it's, they don't have the natural resources. Um, obviously, China has a lot of people, and it's hard to keep them all busy, but they run surpluses, and they, you know, they can't take care of a billion people. And what I like about the Chinese, and I, I own some Chinese companies, what I like about China as a group, as a country, is they do what's in the best interest of China, unlike the United States and other countries, which do in the best interest of the politicians and you know, it's a whole other issue, but I, I, I'm very optimistic about China going forward. I believe they will. They will. I don't. They need the United States because we won't. They could try to sell teddy bears to people in their country, but they won't pay twenty dollars for them like we will. Yeah, very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. His uh, newsletter is called Dividend, "The Dividend Machine," and his website is dividendmachine.com. You can also find him at BillSpatrino.com. His book is called The Great American Dividend Machine. We'll be back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who will be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. He is the author of a book called The Great American Dividend Machine. He has a newsletter called The Dividend Machine. You can find out more at dividendmachine.com or billspatrino.com. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Thank you, Jordan. So we talked about international uh, and the conservative, but then you do have aggressive stocks as well. What are you looking for in aggressive stocks that you're not looking for in the conservatives? Is that they have lower 
dividend yields and more growth, or what is it that you're looking for in the aggressive? The, the aggressive. When I started the aggressive portfolio, I was looking at companies like one of my first stocks was Gilead Sciences. Um, when Gilead Sciences, you know, you, you're they were looking for a cure at the time that I bought it for um, hepatitis C. Okay, and. I thought to myself, this company represents great value here. If they are right about this, this stock's going to take off. If they're wrong, you might lose 20 or 30% on your money. See, the way you should bet is 90% of your money should go into a conservative and maybe 10% should go into an aggressive. Because what happens is you can't, you can't take your seed money and put it in something that might go wrong. Of my conservative portfolio... Every single one of them. When I first started, Chris Ruddy said to me, Billy, what are you going to be right 60% of the time? I said, no, 100%. Now, in the aggressives, I might be right 90, 80, 90%, but the 10%, you could lose money, okay? And, you know, you, have to, you, you just have to bet. Your bet size has to be lower because you have a chance of losing money. And you have to be – you can't put all your money on an aggressive stock and then it go under. It, it, it just – that would bankrupt you, and you don't want to do that. So it looks like some of the stocks in your aggressive portfolio are highly controversial. Uh, one that comes to mind is Herbalife, which has been kind of like a, a battleground. Some people think it's wonderful. Some people think it's horrible. So do you like to take advantage of that when they're being attacked by short sellers, and that's well, an opportunity to you? Herbalife was the most – it's funny because my bosses were very upset that I took the position I took. They were very scared because in October we did the best issue that we ever did, and I told and I took a, you know, I had a little position in herbal life, but then I watched it. And the reason I did this is, and this is all legal, what I did, but this is what separates me from the average person who picks stocks. I saw that herbal life was going in front of the FTC, and everybody was worried about it. Well, then in, uh, I think in July or August, a man named Alan Hoffman, who used to be with Barack Obama administration and and um, Joe Biden administration, he had left them and gone to Pepsi. Well, then all of a sudden I saw that he left Pepsi for Herbalife, and I sat there and I thought, geez, this man left Pepsi for Herbalife? Really? I, that doesn't really make sense. Why would he do that? You know, and I thought, and then he, he was hired to, you know, help Herbalife with their relationship with the FTC, and I thought, well, this is strange. I said, this is, this is nice. I said, they probably figure that he can help them out. Maybe he knows someone on the FTC. So there's five commissioners in the FTC, and there's two Democrats, two Republicans, and there's an independent. The independent's name is Terrell Sweeney. I said, why? I wonder if there's a connection between Ms. Sweeney and Mr. Hoffman. As it turned out, she, they were both in the Obama administration, and she reported to him directly. And I thought, wow, perhaps he, you know, before he took this job, he thought, Jesus, you know, maybe he called somebody, maybe someone called him. I don't know. All I know is, is that he was basically committing career suicide if he's wrong it's like being a bodyguard he was basically hired to be a bodyguard for herbal life if he got knocked over he you know he would have a hard time getting a job being that he was a lobbyist and uh, you know very a person that was very savvy and so i thought well geez i think that this guy you know and someone says to me do you think something dishonest was going on absolutely not mr hoffman knows the laws you know he's an extremely intelligent man he works in the organization and I, you know, I get the feeling that he, you know, saw that an opportunity that Herbalife and and I, 
had been in multi-level marketing. I used to own a company. I tried the Herbalife products. I love them. I said, I, I said, this is not an illegal. I never thought MLMs were illegal to top it off. And then I thought, well, Mr. Hoffman probably knows what I know and got involved in the deal. And, you know, I told everyone, you know, be bold or go home. I went on Newsmax television in February, looked right in the camera when the stock was in the 30s and pointed the camera. I said, this stock's going to be in the 50s really soon. And sure enough, it's in the 50s. So it was a combination of your personal experience and the intelligence you got from that uh, personnel. Yeah, and plus it was move. selling at like six times earnings, so it was priced that it was going to close. See, the problem people had is Mr. Ackman, and I respect Mr. Ackman. People say, oh, you don't like Bill Ackman. I love Bill Ackman. I think he's a great investor. I just think he's wrong here, just like he was wrong with J.C. Penney. Um, I, I don't disrespect him. He's doing what he has to do to try to get his short position done. I just didn't. I didn't believe him, and then Mr. Carl Icahn came in, who's my idol, and I listened to Carl Icahn's idea and listened to Bill Ackman's idea, and I thought that Carl Icahn made a better case. You know, in, in life, someone either sells you or you sell them. Yeah. So what, you, you, we've got a sense of your holdings. We've go over on this a little bit. What are some of the big mistakes that you find people make when they try to do dividend investing that they can learn from you? The biggest mistake they make is that they don't know. It's like if I tried to become a radio interviewer like you, and I think, well, I'm richer than Jordan Goodman. I can be better at him than interviewing people. I can't be. You know, I told you, you know, you, you, you've done a great interview with me. You, there's a skill to doing things. And I've been gambling for 45 years, okay? You, could, you, could, you think you can pick stocks and do what I do. But the mistakes people make is they, they, they don't know what they don't know, and they say, oh, this is the highest thing, or their neighbor gives them a pick, or they watch a stock go from 20 to 50, and then they buy it at 50. Okay, the person selling it to them is, is a professional who bought it at 20 and wants to move on. And what I found in the investment business, Jordan, and with gambling is when people with experience meet people with money, the people with money get the experience, and the people with the experience get the money. So. Yeah. So it's using the systems you talk about in your book, kind of being consistent and buying things at the right price and having a long-term view instead of being shaken by the, the short-term news. Those are some of the main things you're looking yeah, at, right? Yeah, that's why every person should buy my book because it's a great proof element. Okay, my book, see, if you get, a lot of people say, geez, I read your book and I didn't see all your special sauce in there. You're not, first of all, I can't give it to you, okay, in, this, in, a, in a little 150-some page thing. I've been doing this for 45 years. And second of all, the book is a proof element. What it is is to get, it's very entertaining. And it, gets, it gives a young person, can, can identify. Everybody has gambled before. Everybody has gone to the store and, you know, and likes certain products. And it's something most people, if you want to become rich, nobody gives you a plan. If you want to get in good shape, there's millions of exercise videos and programs out there. If you want to become wealthy, they don't, nobody can teach you how to invest. And the people that do it, the 70 or 80 of us that are in the country that are good at it, they don't do investment newsletters. They run huge hedge funds. And, you know, it's this book, you know, just I have one chapter in the book, which I'm sure you saw. I guarantee that if you don't save as much as you paid for the book with all the savings in there, I'll buy the book back from you because there's like 24, 25 savings in there. And that everybody, you know, people think they have the lowest quotes on things. You don't. If you, you, it's impossible to think that, that you have the best deals on everything. And, you know, we talk about that in the book. 
Yeah, indeed. Very good. Okay, we've learned a lot. Uh, my guest this hour has been Bill Spetrino. His website is BillSpetrino.com, spelled S-P-E-T-R-I-N-O. His website is DividendMachine.com, and that's the name of his newsletter, The Dividend Machine. And his book is called The Great American Dividend Machine, How an Outsider Became the Undisputed Champion of Wall Street, just like Rocky, I guess you might say. So thanks so much, for, uh, Bill. We've had a, learned a lot about your techniques on the Money Answer Show. Thanks again. Thank you, Jordan. And we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management